As Christ saith, Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. I tell thee, thou shalt in no wise come out thence. There is the gulf, the decree. Thou shalt not depart thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing, or very last might. Luke 12, verses 58 and 59. These words, therefore, there is a great gulf fixed, I understand to be the everlasting decree of God. God hath decreed that those who go to heaven shall never go from thence again into a worse place, and also that those that go to hell and would come out shall not come out from thence again. And friend, this is such a gulf, so fixed by him that cannot lie, that thou wilt find it so, which way soever thou goest, whether it be to heaven or hell. Here therefore thou seest how secure God will make those who die in the faith. God will keep them in heaven. But those that die in their sins, God will throw them into hell and keep them there, so that they that would go from heaven to hell cannot. Neither can they come from hell that would go to heaven. Mark, he doth not say they would not, for oh how fain would those who have lost their souls for a lust, for two pence, for a jug of ale, for a trumpet, for this world, would come out of that hot, scalding, fiery furnace of God's eternal vengeance, if they might. But here is their misery. They that would come from you to us, that is, from hell to heaven, cannot. They must not, they shall not, they cannot. God hath decreed it, and is resolved the contrary. Here therefore lies the misery, not so much that they are in hell, but that there they must lie for ever and ever. Therefore, if thy heart would at any time tempt thee to sin against God, cry out, No, for then I must go to hell and lie there forever. If the drunkards, swearers, liars, and hypocrites did but take this doctrine soundly down, it would make them tremble when they are thinking of sinning. Ah, poor souls, now they will make a mock of sin, Proverbs 14:9, and play with it as a child doth play with a rattle. But the time is coming that these rattles that they are now playing with will make such a noise in their ears and consciences that they shall find that if all the devils in hell were yelling at their heels, the noise would not be comparable to it. Friend, thy sins, as so many bloodhounds, will first hunt thee out and then take thee and bind thee and hold thee down forever. Numbers 32, verse 23, and Proverbs 5, verse 22. They will grip thee and gnaw thee as if thou hadst a nest of poisonous serpents in thy bowels. Job 20, verse 14. And this will not be for a time, but as I have said, forever, forever, forever. Chapter 10, page 63. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. Verse 27. The verse before, I told you, was spoken partly to hold forth a desire that the damned have to be freed of their endless misery. Now this verse still holds forth the cries of those poor souls as very vehement. They would very fain have something granted to them, but it would not be as will more clearly appear afterward. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, etc. As if he should say, Seeing I have brought myself into such a miserable condition, that God will not regard me, that my exceeding loud and bitter cries will not be heard for myself, seeing I must not be admitted to have so much as one drop of cold water, nor the least help from the poorest saints, 
And seeing, besides all this, here my soul must lie to all eternity, broiling and frying, seeing I must, whether I will or no, undergo the hand of eternal vengeance and the rebukes of devouring fire. Seeing my state is such that I would not wish a dog in my condition, send him to my father's house. It is worthy to be taken notice of again who it is he desired to be sent, namely Lazarus. O friend, see here how the stout hearts and stomachs of poor creatures will be humbled. As I said before, they will be so brought down that those things that they disdained and made light of in this world they would be glad of in the life to come. Lazarus by this man was so slighted once that he thought it a dishonor that he should eat with the dogs of his flock. What shall I regard Lazarus, scrubbed, beggarly Lazarus? What shall I so far dishonor my fair, sumptuous, and gay house with such a scabbed creep-hedge as he? No, I scorn he should be entertained under my roof. Thus in his lifetime, while he was in his bravery. But now he has come into another world. Now he is parted from his pleasures. Now he sees his fine house, his dainty dishes, his rich neighbors and companions. And he are parted asunder. Now he finds, instead of pleasures, torments. Instead of joys, heaviness. Instead of heaven, hell. Instead of the pleasures of sin, the horror and guilt of sin. Oh, now sin, Lazarus. Lazarus, it may be, might have done him some good, if he might have been entertained in time past, and might have persuaded him at least not to have gone on so grievously wicked. But he slights him, will not regard him. He is resolved to disown him, though he lose his own soul for so doing. I, but now send Lazarus, if not to me, to my father's house, and let him tell them from me that if they run on in sin, as I have done, they must and shall receive the same wages that I have received. Take notice of this, you that are despisers of the least of the Lazaruses of our Lord Jesus Christ. It may be now you are loath to receive these little ones of his, because they are not gentlemen, because they cannot, with Pontius Pilate, speak Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Nay, they must not speak to them to admonish them, and all because of this. Though now the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ may be preached to them freely and for nothing, nay, they are now desired to hear and receive it, though now they will not own, regard, and embrace these Christian proffers of the glorious truth of Jesus, because they come out of some of the basest earthen vessels. 1 Corinthians 1.26 Yet the time is coming when they will both sigh and cry, Send him to my father's house. I say, remember this, ye that despise the day of small things. The time is coming when you would be glad if you might enjoy from God, from Christ, or his saints, one small drop of cold water, though now you are unwilling to receive the glorious distilling drops of the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Again, see here the lamentable state that they are in, that go to hell from their fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, etc., while they are in this world, men delight to set their children ill examples, and also children love to follow the wicked steps of their ungodly parents. But when they depart this life and drop down into hell and find themselves in irrecoverable misery, then they cry, Send somebody to my father's house, to my brother's house. Tell them my state is miserable, 
Tell them that I am undone forever, and tell them also that if they will be walking in these ungodly steps wherein I left them, they will assuredly fall into this place of torment. I pray thee, send him to my father's house. Ah, friends and neighbors, it is likely you think little of this, that some of your friends and relations are crying out in hell, Lord, send somebody to my father's house to preach the gospel to them, lest they also come into these torments. Here men, while they live, can willingly walk together in the way of sin, and when they are parted by death, they that are living seldom or never consider the sad condition that they that are dead are descended into. But ye ungodly fathers, how are your ungodly children now roaring in hell, and your ungodly parents that lived and died ungodly now also in the pains of hell? And one drunkard is singing on the alehouse bench, and another roaring under the wrath of God, saying, Oh, that I was with him! How would I rebuke him and persuade him by all means to leave off those evil courses? Oh, that they did but consider what I now suffer for pride, covetousness, drunkenness, lying, swearing, stealing, whoring, and the like. Oh, did they but feel the thousandth part thereof, it would make them look about them, and not buy sin at so dear a rate as I have done even with the loss of my precious soul. Send him to my father's house, not to my father, but to my father's house. It may be there are ungodly children, there are ungodly servants, wallowing in their ungodliness. Send him therefore to my father's house. It is likely that they are still the same that I left them. I left them wicked, and they are wicked still. I left them sliders of the gospel, saints, and ways of God, and they do it still. Send him to my father's house. It is likely there is but a little between them and the place where I am. Send him today, before tomorrow, lest they come into the same place of torment. I pray thee that thou wouldst send him. I beg it on my bended knee, with crying and tears in the agony of my soul. It may be they will not consider, if thou do not send him. I left them sottish enough, hardened as well as I. They have the same devil to tempt them, the same lust and world to overcome them. I pray thee therefore that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. Make no delay, lest they lose their souls, lest they come hither. If they do, they are likely never to return again. O oh, little do they think how easily they may lose their souls. They are apt to think their condition to be as good as the best, as I once through ignorance did. But send him, send him, send him without delay, lest they come into this place of torment. O oh, that thou, Lord, wouldst give him commission, do thou send him thyself. The time was when I, together with them, slighted those that were sent of God, though we could not deny but that they spake the word of God, and were sent of him, as our conscience told us. Yet we preferred the calls of men before the calls of God, for though they had the one, yet because they had not the other in that anti-Christian way which we thought meet, we could not, would not, either hear them ourselves, nor yet give our consent that others should. But now a call from God is worth all. Do thou therefore send him to my father's house. The time was when we did not like it, except it might be preached in the synagogue. We thought it a low thing to preach and pray together in houses, we were too high-spirited, too superstitious. The gospel would not down with us. 
unless we had it in such a place by such a man. No, nor then, neither effectually. But now, oh, that I was to live in the world again, and might have that privilege to have some acquaintance with blessed Lazarus, some familiarity with that holy man. What attendance would I give unto his wholesome words? How would I affect his doctrine and close in with it? How would I square my life thereby? Now therefore, as it is better to hear the gospel under a hedge than to sit roaring in a tavern, so it is better to welcome God's begging Lazaruses than the wicked companions of this world. It is better to receive a saint in the name of a saint, a disciple in the name of a disciple, than to do as I have done. Oh, it is better to receive a child of God that can by experience deliver the things of God, his free love, his tender grace, his rich forbearance, and also the misery of man, if without it, than to be daubed up with untempered mortar. Ezekiel 13.10 Oh, I may curse the day that ever I gave way to the flatteries and fawning of a company of carnal men. But this my repentance is too late. I should have looked about me sooner if I would have been saved from this woeful place. Therefore send him, not only to the town I lived in, and unto some of my acquaintance, but to my father's house. In my lifetime I did not care to hear that word that cut me most, and showed me my state aright. I was vexed to hear my sins mentioned, and laid to my charge. I loved him best that deceived me most, that said, Peace, peace, when there was no such thing. Jeremiah 6, verse 14. But now, oh, that I had been soundly told of it. Oh, that it had pierced both mine ears and heart, and had stuck so fast that nothing could have cured me saving the blood of Christ. It is better to be dealt plainly with than that we should be deceived. They had better see their lost condition in the world than stay while they be damned, as I have done. Therefore send Lazarus, send him to my father's house, Let him go and say, I saw your son, your brother, in hell, weeping and wailing and gnashing his teeth. Let him bear them down in it, and tell them plainly it is so, and that they shall see their everlasting misery if they have not a special care. Send him to my father's house. Chapter 11, page 68 For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Verse 28 These words are, if I may so say, a reason given by those in hell, why they are restless and do cry so loud. It is that their companions might be delivered from those intolerable torments which they must and shall undergo if they fall short of everlasting life by Jesus Christ. Send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren. Though while they lived among them in the world, they were not so sensible of their ruin, Yet now they are passed out of the world, and do partake of that which before they were warned of. They can, I say, there cry out. Now I find that to be true indeed, which was once and again told and declared to me, that it would certainly come to pass. For I have five brethren. Here you may see that there may be, and are, whole households in a damnable state and condition, as our Lord Jesus doth by this signify. Send him to my father's house, for they are all in one state. I left all my brethren in a pitiful state. People, while they live here, cannot endure to hear that they should be all in a miserable condition. 
But when they are under the wrath of God, they see it, they know it, and are very sure of it. For they themselves, when they were in the world, lived as the others do, but they fell short of heaven. And therefore, if the others go on, so shall they. O therefore, send quickly to my father's house, for all the house is in an undone condition, and must be damned if they continue so. The thing observable is this, namely, that those that are in hell do not desire that their companions should come thither. Nay, rather, saith he, send him to my father's house, and let him testify to them that are therein, lest they come also into this place of torment. Question. But some may say, what is the reason that the damned should desire not to have their companions come into the same condition that they are fallen into, but rather that they might be kept from it and escape that dreadful state? Answer. I do believe there is scarce so much love in any of the damned in hell as really to desire the salvation of any. But in that there is any desire in them that are damned, that their friends and relations should not come into that place of torment, it appears to me to be rather for their own ease than for their neighbor's good. For let me tell you, this I do believe, that it will aggravate the grief and horror of them to see their ungodly neighbors in the like destruction with them. For where the ungodly do live and die and descend into the pit together, the one is rather a vexation to the other than anything else. And it must needs be so, because there are no ungodly people that do live ungodly together, but they do learn ill examples one of another, as thus. If there live one in the town that is very expert and cunning for the world, why now the rest that are of the same mind with him, they will labor to imitate and follow his steps. This is commonly seen. Again, if there be one given to drunkenness, others of the town, through his means, run the more into that sin with him, and do accustom themselves the more unto it, because of his enticing them, and also by setting such an ill example before them. And so, if there be any addicted to pride, and must needs be in all the newest fashions, how doth their example provoke others to love and follow the same vanity, spending that upon their lust, which should relieve their own and others' wants? Also, if there be any given to jesting, scoffing, lying, whoring, backbiting, junketing, wantonness, and any other sin, they that are most expert in these things do oft-times entangle others that peradventure would not have been so vile as now they are had they not had such an example, and hence they are called corruptors. Isaiah 1.4 Now these will by their doings exceedingly aggravate the condemnation of one another. He that did set his neighbor an ill example and thereby cause him to walk in sin, he will be found one cause of his friend's destruction, insomuch that he will have to answer for his own sin and for a great part of his neighbor's too, which will add to his destruction. As the scripture in Ezekiel showeth, where speaking of the watchman that should give the people warning, if he do not, though the man did not die in his sins, yet his blood shall be required at the watchman's hand. So here let me tell thee that if thou shouldst be such an one, as by thy conversation and practices shall be a trap and a stumbling block to cause thy neighbor to fall into eternal ruin, though he be damned for his own sin, yet God may, nay he will, charge thee as being guilty of his blood, in that thou didst not content thyself to keep from heaven thyself, 
but didst also by thy filthy conversation keep away others, and cause them to fall with thee. O therefore will not this aggravate thy torment? Yea, if thou shouldst die and go to hell before thy neighbors or companions, besides the guilt of thine own sins, thou wouldst be so laden with the fear of the damnation of others to be laid to thy charge, that thou wouldst cry out, O send one from the dead to this companion, and that companion, with whom I had society in my lifetime. For I see my cursed carriage will be one cause of his condemnation if he fall short of glory. I left him living in foul and heinous offenses, but I was one of the first instruments to bring him to them. Oh, I shall be guilty both of my own and his damnation too. Oh, that he might be kept out hence, lest my torment be aggravated by his coming hither. For where ungodly people do dwell together, they being a snare and stumbling block one to another by their practice, they must be a torment one to another and an aggravation of each other's damnation. O cursed be thy face, saith one, that ever I set mine eyes on thee. It was all of thee. I may thank thee. It was thee that did entice me and ensnare me. It was your filthy conversation that was a stumbling block to me. It was your covetousness. It was your pride, your haunting the alehouse, your gaming and whoring. It was all of you that I fell short of life. If you had set me a good example, as you set me an ill one, it may be I might have done better than now I do. But I learned of you, I followed your steps, I took your counsel. Oh, that I had never seen your face! Oh, that thou hadst never been born to do my soul this wrong as you have done! Oh, saith the other, and I may as much blame you, for do you not remember how at such a time, and at such a time, you drew me out and drew me away, and asked me if I would go with you when I was going about other business, about my calling? But you called me away, you sent for me, you are as much at fault as I am. Though I were covetous, you were proud. If you learned covetous of me, I learned pride and drunkenness of you. Though I taught you to cheat, you taught me to whore, to lie, to scoff at goodness. Though I, base wretch, did stumble you in some things, you did as much stumble me in others. I can blame you as you blame me, and if I have to answer for some of your most filthy actions, you have to answer for some of mine. I would you had not come hither. The very looks of you do wound my soul by bringing my sins fresh into my mind, the time when the manner how, the place where, the persons with whom. It was with you, you. Griefed my soul, since I could not shun your company there, oh, that I had been without your company here. I say, therefore, for those that have sinned together to go to hell together, it will very much perplex and torment them both. Therefore I judge this, one reason why they that are in hell do desire that their companions or friends do not come thither into the same place of torment that they are in. And therefore where Christ saith that the damned souls cry out, send to our companions that they may be warned and commanded to look to themselves, O send to my five brethren, it is because they would not have their own torments heightened by their company, and a sense, yea, a continual sense of their sins, which they caused them to commit when they were with them in the world. For I do believe that the very looks of those that have been beguiled of our fellows, I say their very looks will be a torment to them. 
for thereby will the remembrance of their own sins which they committed with them be kept, if possible, the fresher on their consciences. And also they will wonderfully have the guilt of the other sins upon them in that they were partly the cause of his committing them, being instruments in the hands of the devil to draw them into. And therefore, lest this come to pass, I pray thee, send him to my father's house. For if they might not come hither, their adventure my torment might have some mitigation, that is, if they might be saved, then their sins will be pardoned, and not so heavily charged on my soul. If they do fall into the same place where I am, the sins that I have caused them to commit will lie so heavy, not only on their soul, but also on mine, that they will sink me into eternal misery, deeper and deeper. O therefore send him to my father's house, to my five brethren, and let him testify to them, lest they come into this place of torment. These words being thus understood, what a condition doth it show them to be in them, that now much delight in being the very ringleaders of their companions into sins of all sort whatsoever. While men live here, if they can be counted the cunningest in cheating, the boldest for lying, the archest for whoring, the subtlest for coveting and getting the world, if they can but cunningly defraud, undermine, cross and anger their neighbors, yea, and hinder them from the means of grace, the gospel of Christ, they glory in it, take a pride in it and themselves, think pretty well at ease, and their minds are somewhat quiet, being beguiled with sin. But, friend, when thou hast lost this life, and dost begin to lift up thine eyes in hell, and seest what thy sins have brought thee to, and not only so, but that thou, devil-like, by thy filthy sins didst cause others to fall into the same condemnation with thee, and that one of the reasons of their damnation was this, that thou didst lead them to the commission of those wicked practices of this world and the lust thereof, then, oh, that somebody would stop them from coming, lest they also come into this place of torment and be damned as I am. How will it torment me? Balaam could not be contented to be damned himself, but also he must, by his wickedness, cause others to stumble and fall. The scribes and Pharisees could not be content to keep out of heaven themselves, but they must labor to keep out others too. Therefore theirs is the greater damnation. The deceived cannot be content to be deceived himself, but he must labor to deceive others also. The drunkard cannot be content to go to hell for his sins, but he must labor to cause others to fall into the same furnace with him. But look to yourselves, for here will be damnation upon damnation damned for thine own sins, and damned for thy being partaker with others in their sins, and damned for being guilty of the damnation of others. Oh, how will the drunkards cry for leading their neighbors into drunkenness? How will the covetous person howl for setting his neighbor, his friend, his brother, his children and relations, so wicked an example, by which he hath not only wronged his own soul, but also the souls of others? The liar, by lying, learned others to lie. The swearer learned others to swear. The whoremonger learned others to whore. Now all these, with others of the like sort, will be guilty not only of their own damnation, but of others. I tell you that some men have been so much the authors of the damnation of others that I am ready to think that the damnation of them will trouble them as much as their own damnation. Some men, it is to be feared at the day of judgment, 
will be found to be the authors of destroying whole nations. How many souls do you think Balaam with his deceit will have to answer for? How many Muhammad? How many the Pharisees that hired the soldiers to save the disciples stole away Jesus? Matthew 28 verses 11 through 15 And by that means stumbled their brethren to this day. This was one means of binding them from believing the things of God and Jesus Christ, and so the cause of the damnation of their brethren to this very day. How many poor souls hath Bonner to answer for, thank you, and other filthy blind priests? How many souls have they been the means of destroying by their ignorance and corrupt doctrine, preaching what was no better for men's souls than rasping for the body, for filthy lucre's sake? They shall see many of them, it is to be feared, that they will have whole towns to answer for, whole cities to answer for. Ah, friend, I tell thee, that thou that hast taken in hand to preach to the people, it may be thou hast taken in hand, thou canst not tell what. Will it not grieve thee to see thy whole parish come bellowing after thee to hell, crying out, This we may thank thee for, this is all of thee. Thou didst not teach us the truth, Thou didst lead us away with fables. Thou wast afraid to tell us of our sins, lest we should not put meat fast enough into thy mouth. O cursed wretch, that ever thou shouldst beguile us thus, deceive us thus, flatter us thus. We would have gone out to hear the word abroad, but that thou didst reprove us, and also tell us that which we see now is the way of God, was heresy, and a deceivable doctrine, and was not contented, blind guide as thou wert, to fall into the ditch thyself, but hast also led us thither with thee. I say, look to thyself, lest thou cry out when it is too late, send Lazarus to my people, my friends, my children, my congregation to whom I preached, and beguiled through my folly. Send him to the town in which I did preach last, lest I be the cause of their damnation. Send him to my friends from whence I came, lest I be made to answer for their souls and mine own too. Ezekiel 33 verses 1 through 8 O send him therefore, and let him tell them, and testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Consider ye that live thus in the world, while ye are in the land of the living, lest you fall into this condition. Set the case, that thou shouldst by thy carriage destroy but a soul, but one poor soul, by one of thy carriages or actions, by thy sinful works. Consider it now, I say, lest thou be forced to cry. I pray thee, therefore, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. If so, then I shall not only say to the blind guides, Look you to yourselves, and shut not out others. No, but this doth reach not only unto all those that do keep souls from heaven by preaching and the like, but speaks forth the doom of those that shall anyways be instrumental to hinder others from closing in with Jesus Christ. Oh, what red lines will there be against all those rich, ungodly landlords that so keep under their poor tenants that they dare not go out to hear the word for fear their rent should be raised or they turned out of their houses. What sayest thou, landlord? Will it not cut thy soul when thou shalt see that thou couldst not be content to miss of heaven thyself, but that thou must labor to hinder others also? 
will it not give thee an eternal wound in thy heart, both at dearth and judgment, to be accused of the ruin of thy neighbor's soul, thy servant's soul, thy wife's soul, together with the ruin of thine own? Think on this, you drunken, proud, rich, and scornful landlords. Think on this, mad-brained, blasphemous husbands, that are against the godly and chaste conversation of your wives. Also you that hold your servants so hard to it, that you will not spare them time to hear the word, unless it be where and when your lust will let you. If you love your own souls, your tenants' souls, your wives' souls, your servants' souls, your children's souls, if you would not cry, if you would not howl, if you would not bear the burden of the ruin of others forever, then I beseech you, consider this doleful story, and labor to avoid the soul-telling torment that this poor wretch groaned under, when he saith, I pray thee therefore that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify, Mark, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. These words have still something more in them than I have yet observed from them. There are one or two things more that I shall briefly touch upon, and therefore Mark, he saith, that he may testify unto them, etc. Mark, I pray you, and take notice of the word, testify. He does not say, and let him go unto them, or speak with them, or tell them such and such things. No, but let him testify, or affirm it constantly, in case any should oppose it. Let him testify unto them. It is the same word the scripture uses to set forth the vehemency of Christ in telling his disciples of him that should betray him. And he testified, saying, One of you shall betray me. And he testified, that is, he spake it so as to dash or overcome any that should have said, It shall not be. It is a word that signifies that in case any should oppose the things spoken of, yet that the party speaking should still continue constant in his saying. And he commanded us, says Peter, to preach and to testify that it is he that was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. Acts 10.42 To testify, Mark, that is, to be constant, irresistible, undaunted, in case it should be opposed and objected against. So here, let him testify to them, lest they come into this place of torment. From whence observe that it is not an easy matter to persuade them who are in their sins alive in this world that they must and shall be damned if they turn not and be converted to God. Let him testify to them. Let him speak confidently, though they frown upon him or dislike his way of speaking. And how is this truth verified and cleared by the carriage of almost all men now in the world toward them that do preach the gospel and show their own miserable state plainly to them if they close not with it? If a man do but indeed labor to convince sinners of their sins and lost condition by nature, though they must be damned if they live and die in that condition, oh, how angry are they at it! Look how he judges, say they. Hark how he condemns us. He tells us we must be damned if we live and die in this state. We are offended at him. We cannot abide to hear him or any such as he. We will believe none of them all, but go on in the way we are going. Forbear, why shouldst thou be smitten? said the ungodly king to the prophet when he told him of his sins. Second Chronicles 25 verses 15 and 16 
I say, tell the drunkard he must be damned if he leaves not his drunkenness. The swearer, liar, cheater, thief, covetous railer, or any ungodly person, they must and shall lie in hell for it if they die in this condition. They will not believe you nor credit you. Again, tell others that there are many in hell that have lived and died in their conditions, and so are they likely to be if they convert not to Jesus Christ and be found in him. Or that there are others that are more civil and sober men, who although we know that their civility will not save them, if we do but tell them plainly of the emptiness and unprofitableness of that as to the saving of their souls, and that God will not accept them nor love them, notwithstanding these things, and that if they intend to be saved, they must be better provided then with such righteousness as this. They will either fling away and come to hear no more, or else if they do come, they will bring such prejudice with them in their hearts that the word preached shall not profit them, it being mixed not with faith, but with prejudice in them that hear it. Hebrews 4, verses 1 and 2 Nay, they will some of them be so full of anger that they will break out and call even those who speak the truth heretics, yea, and kill them. Luke chapter 4, verses 26 to 29. And why so? Because they tell them that if they live in their sins, they will damn them. Yet if they turn and live a righteous life according to the holy and just and good law of God, that will not save them. Yea, because we tell them plainly that unless they leave their sins and unrighteousness too and close in with a naked Jesus Christ, his blood and merits, and what he hath done, and is now doing for sinners, they cannot be saved. And unless they do eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, they have no life abiding in them. They gravel presently and are offended at it, as the Jews were with Christ for speaking the same thing to them. John chapter 6 verses 53 and 60 And fling away themselves, their souls and all, by quarreling against the doctrine of the Son of God as indeed they do, though they will not believe they do. And therefore he that is a preacher of the word had need, not only tell them, but testify to them again and again, that their sins, if they continue in them, will damn them and damn them again. And tell them again, they're living honestly according to the law, they're praying every one their own, they're living quietly with their neighbors, they're giving to the poor, their notion of the gospel, and saying they do believe in Christ, will do them no good at the general day of judgment. Ha, friends, how many of you are there at this very day that have been told once and again of your lost, undone condition because you want the right, real, and saving work of God upon your souls? I say, hath not this been told you, yea, testified unto you from time to time, that your state is miserable, that yet you are never the better, but do still stand where you did? some in an open, ungodly life, and some drowned in the self-conceited holiness of Christianity. Therefore, for God's sake, if you love your souls, consider, and beg of God for Jesus Christ's sake, that he would work such a work of grace in your heart, and give you such a faith in his Son Jesus Christ, that you may not only have rest here, as you think, not only think your state safe while you live here, but that you may be safe indeed, not only here, but also when you are gone. Lest you do cry in the anguish and perplexity of your souls, send one to my companions that have been beguiled by Satan, as I have been, 
and so by going on, come into this place of torment, as I have done. Again, one thing more is to be observed from these words. Let them testify to them, lest they come into this place of torment. Mark, lest they come into, as if he had said, or else they will come into this place of torment, as sure as I am here. From whence observe, that though some souls do, for sin, fall into the bottomless pit before their fellows, because they depart from this world before them, yet the other abiding in the same course, are as sure to go to the same place as if they were there already. How so? Because that all are condemned together, they have all fallen under the same law, and have all offended the same justice, and must for certain, if they die in that condition, drink as deep, if not deeper, of the same destruction. Mark, I pray you, what the Scripture says, He that believeth not is condemned already. John 3.18 He is condemned as well as they, having broken the same law with them. If so then, what hinders but they will partake of the same destruction with them? Only the one hath not the law yet so executed upon them, because they are here. The other have had the law executed upon them. They are gone to drink that which they have been brewing, and thou art brewing that in this life which thou must certainly drink. The same law, I say, is in force against you both, only he is executed, and thou art not. Just as if there were a company of prisoners at the bar, and all condemned to die. What because they are not all executed in one day, therefore shall they not be executed at all? Yes, the same law that executed its severity upon the parties now deceased, will for certain be executed upon them that are alive in its appointed time. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. 
And if this principle is adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.